What's up, everybody? It's your boy Scott here, broadcasting live from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in beautiful, historic downtown oh, Franklin, Tennessee. Super cool to be with you guys today. I got a freaking awesome episode, very informative episode for you today. Uh, but first, just real quick, I want to tell you guys just real quick how you can support the show. Um, so we got a few different options here, and now uh, and I got some exciting new stuff here for you too. So check this out. So over to the website, uh, rebunk.news. Um, that that's kind of the landing page. I want to send everybody rebunk.news. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. But look at this, look at this right at the top. we got the new shirt shop in full effect, you guys. So I'm super excited about this. I just got this up this afternoon. Big shout out to big frog t-shirts in Portland, Oregon. So you guys, one thing about this, this, uh, shirt shop is that this is a local, you know, local shirt shop out of Portland. They reached out to me. They're listeners. Okay. So these people that run this operation are totally on the level. So by supporting this, you're actually supporting people who are, are are on the level and in the club. All right. So check it out. we got all kinds of awesome designs that, you know, they, they helped me design this. They built this website for me. They're just the most amazing people ever. I can't shout them out enough. Um, if you're a content creator and you want to get like a shirt shop, they offered, they said that I could extend this deal to other people. So I basically sent them like just some ideas for the shirts. They, they did the designs, they built the website and sent it to me for free. All I have to do is promote it. So that's what I'm doing here. You guys. So check it out. It's rebunk.news for slash shirts. You can check them all out. Everything's black and white. You got the standard rebunked logo. We got uh, one that just says build, you know, because we're just all about building. Uh, compliance is violence. You can't depopulate an idea. I see false flags. We are many. They are few. And truth wins. whole bunch of different designs. Got You guys go check it out. Rebunk.news forward slash shirts. Super excited about that. Thanks and big shout out to uh, Big Frog t-shirts. Uh, let's see. So back to the website. As you scroll down here, you'll see all the video platforms that we're on. Um, and then make sure you're always subscribed to us on your uh, podcast player. So we're on all podcast players. Just search Rebunked, um, and, and you can listen on the go. Let's see. Also, make sure you are on the Subscribe Star. So you guys, Subscribe Star is going to be probably another really good way to support the show. Five bucks a month helps keep the ship afloat. We got one subscriber so far. Let's see if we can get two by the end of the broadcast. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to be dropping lots of premium stuff on there. So uh, come join me over on the subscribe star and subscribe star from what I can tell they're, they're on the level too. Like they don't censor people. Like there's people on there that have been censored everywhere else that are still on subscribe star. So I feel like they're safe. So uh, hit up subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked. Uh, you know, five bucks a month helps keep us going. And then of course, last but not least truth, TRS truth, TRS.com is our heavy metal detox spray. Uh, I can't say enough positive things about truth. TRS uh, TRS is stands for toxin removal support. Uh, basically goes in and absorbs all the heavy metals that have accumulated in your body and flushes them out. Uh, I've been using it for like a little over a year and it's just a fantastic product. And uh, they also have an advanced CBD and advanced fulvic for the full, uh, you know, detox experience. So truthtrs.com, they've got an FAQ page. And also uh, I didn't pull this up, but their Instagram at truthtrs. You can learn more and read about all the testimonials and hit them up if you have any questions. So, all right, guys, let me get back over here. So without further ado, I want to uh, bring in our guest here. So this is uh, Tim Pichot. He is the Liberty Advisor. I actually had the privilege of hanging out with him at Float Fest. And, uh, you know, you've seen him on the Union of the Unwanted. He has the Tim and John show, libertyadvisor.com. Uh, let's see. Let's bring him in here. Tim, how you doing, man? Hey, Scott. It's great to be on your show. And I was awesome getting to meet you last week over at Float Fest. Dude, the whole thing. The whole thing was just so powerful. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know, man. Like, meeting you and Tina and, like, all these folks that – I've had the chance to interact with, um, you know, digitally, but you know, not in person, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe perhaps like all of you aren't AI, maybe, you know what I mean? Like there's always that <laughs> assumption, but yeah, man, uh, super grateful that you're here. And, and then, uh, so you were one of the featured speakers there and I thought you had such a powerful presentation and, uh, you know, people have been hearing about, uh, well, actually before we get into it, like, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit of background in case they haven't, uh, come across your work yet. All right, so I'm Tipichote, the Liberty Advisor, and basically I ended up graduating at the you know best time ever to get into the world of finance. So I graduated in 2008. My first day on the job was the day Lehman Brothers crashed, uh, which now it feels like you know the stock market's going down like 600 points pretty much every every day now. Which, but we're at such a higher level now that it doesn't have uh, quite the same effect. So you know, day one Lehman Brothers crashed. I was told 
you know, previously that, you know, everything the Federal Reserve had done had basically been to mitigate future crashes and that, you know, everything, you know, was all hunky dory. I was actually in a class where my classmates won a competition on the Federal Reserve called, uh, it was actually called the Fed Challenge. And the actual slogan of that class was in Fed we trust. So it said in God we trust was in Fed we trust. Oh and that's where they're trying to you know, indoctrinate all the, you know, next, you know, I guess, future crop of globalists. And so, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, about a year or two later, uh, you know, I, this one guy is telling me that the Federal Reserve is private. He looks like Rob Zombie. He's got his hair, you know, really long, long hair. I think the guy was like a painter and, you know, nothing as painters. But I'm like, listen, you know, there's no way the Fed's private. You're full of shit. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then it turned out, you know, long story short, that I was wrong. And then, you know, that led me to, you know, the creature from Jekyll Island for G. Edward Griffin's book, uh, then it, which if you don't know anything, what I just said, if, if your listeners aren't aware of G. Edward Griffin or creature from Jekyll Island, I'd highly, highly, highly recommend checking out that masterpiece. And that led me to uh, Dr. Ron Paul, because I was like, hey, who are there any politicians, you know, speaking out against this stuff? And he was the only one. And uh, and then, you know, going through and trying to do things politically and then seeing how that's basically gets you nowhere and just, you know, is a whole big waste of time. And, you know, I tried being act super active, not tried, I was you know, super active politically yeah. and trying to become delegates and precinct committee men and doing all the checking off all those boxes. Although, you know, then, you know, we're basically at the point now where, you know, it's well past, you know, wishful thinking of thinking that any politicians or any white knights are going to come in to save us. But, you know, I really got active because I, when I found out that the Federal Reserve was private and I didn't know that, and I was, I had a series seven stockbroker's license, series 66, um, uh, you know, investment license, had a, had what else did I have? Life accident health, had, was a charter retirement planning counselor by this point, was on my way to becoming probably one of the youngest certified financial planners, like basically as young as you possibly could be. And so I was on a class and won a national competition on the Fed. So I'm like, if I, if anyone was in a position of knowing, it should have been me. And I was pissed that I didn't know and that I was never taught this. And so then it then, you know, basically lit a fire under me to then expose this to other people. So this is also, you know, by the time I finished that time I was getting like really active is probably like 2010, 11 is when I first really kind of really started getting active. And then, you know, Bitcoin's probably, you know, like 50 cents or a dollar when I found out about it. And I first saw it and I was like, wait a minute that you can, you're basically tracking where money goes from one place to another. I'm like, it sort of seems like if you're going to have a mark of the beast, that the mark of the beast would be, you know, it seems like Bitcoin does fit a lot of those boxes. Now, I am pro Bitcoin, pro crypto, you know, I guess to spoil alert this in case anybody's like, screw this guy is against Bitcoin. But, you know, I, I cost myself a lot of money because I didn't get into the price with a thousand times higher going from like a thousand to, you know, or sorry, zero, basically a dollar to, you know, a thousand bucks. And so I had a lot of concerns uh, over Bitcoin, but ultimately, you know, what I understood eventually and, and again, you know, anyone can money money quarterback this but you know in 2010 it's not like there was tons of things to read about bitcoin and that you know other people other things going on and i just sort of dismissed it but eventually that technology that runs bitcoin the blockchain i come to find out that that is what is going to be used in a central bank digital currency and just kind of backing things up basically the fed and about 90 percent of the central banks in the world right now have a plan to launch essentially their own like bitcoin dollar where the Federal Reserve is going to be the one that issues this dollar. And at any point they can, you know, turn you off. They can, they're going to track everything you're doing in real time. They can 10x the money supply overnight if they want to. And they're going to use what runs Bitcoin, the blockchain, to run this system. And then once they have the system fully in implemented, they're basically going to have you by the balls and there's no way you're going to be able to get out of it. And so it's just a very grim bleak future for our kids and future grandchildren and you know and we can't let this come to pass because really if this does come to pass then uh you know it's gonna be very very difficult to get out of this and there's gonna be a whole lot of pain and and really i think a lot of what's been going on with the pandemic uh you know has all been sort of a move to usher in this new form of digital tyranny this new form of digital dictatorships mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's a good enough opening. We can riff off of that because I know there's a whole bunch of stuff in terms of like what the powers that be are trying to plan for this CBDC. And, uh, you know, it really is sort of, you know, a crazy time in period right now where we've got the Federal Reserve having to raise rates, not because they want to, but because they have to, to get inflation under control. Mm. And uh, four years ago, when, when I was first getting interviewed at Anarcha Poco, someone, Ian Freeman of uh, Free Talk Live asked me, you know, what do you think is going to be the kickoff event to 
a financial crisis. And I'm like, well, the big one will kick off eventually when the Fed has to raise rates, not because they want to, but because they have to. And now we're in this exact spot right now where the Fed, you know, raise rates and, and, and all these rate hikes, are, you know, a big, okay, you raised, you've been able to raise uh, the interest rate point, you know, 75 basis points, almost 1%. And inflation, the stated inflation rate is eight and a half. Now that's a fake number, and we can even get into that too. But you know, the average person is going to see their purchasing power just get demolished. The average person out there, you know, is really sort of looking at a lot of the symptoms and not really looking at the at the at the cure or really like what the root cause of these problems are. And really, you know, if there's one thing your listeners and viewers can really understand, it's really the concept of what is money. And so. What we have right now, what we call is money, like a dollar. It's not really. It's funny. I actually have like some fake, some fake Donald Trump money that's over here because I used to have like this money gun where like nice. Luke Radowski and I were like we're briefly doing shows. I'm not sure if it's batteries. And we, we, every <laughs> time like every time Trump was printing money, we'd have like we'd have our money gun. <laughs> but we we printed so much money in the past two years. It looks like the money gun is uh, yeah. almost out of batteries now. But essentially, for every if there's only if we're the only two people on earth and we're on an island together and I'm the banker. And you want to borrow a hundred bucks to create a, a podcast studio. And I say, okay, Scott, you know, you seem like a trustworthy guy. You know, I can create this money out of thin air and, and you know, loan you a hundred dollars at the end of year one, you know, be a three, be a one year loan, 3% interest. So at the end of year one, you owe me $103. But the problem is like, where do you get $103 if the only money that exists on the Island is a hundred bucks? And so it, you don't have to really make it any more difficult than that because at the base level that's what we're doing that the federal reserve issues treasury bills bonds and note which are debt and then that debt has interest to it and so we they create money that they never had to begin with and charge us interest and then they get to buy real stuff with money they never had and basically make us slaves and and you know a lot of the founding fathers had talked about this so you had uh, it was Thomas Jefferson that said, if we ever allow a private central bank to issue the currency and credit of our nation, first by inflation, then by deflation, we'll end up homeless on the continent our forefathers conquered. And then, you, you know, you get into, you know, basically like like the uh, Rothschilds, like a main inside guy in America was Eric Alexander Hamilton. And he established the first central bank. Then we had the second central bank. And then now we're on our basically third iteration of that, the Federal Reserve. They know this system is going to come down at some point, but they want to control this collapse and basically be in front of it to then, in my opinion, then get everybody onto the CBDC when everyone begs for help. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I know I hit you, hit your listeners with a lot right there, but you know, the number one thing to understand is that we basically live in this high tech slave system where we have to pay interest to bankers that never had the money to begin with that are constantly sucking money out of the system and making the average person get poorer and poorer. And, Unfortunately, then the average person is going to say, not so your listeners, but they're going to say, you know, we see things like we need to fight for 15 and get 15 bucks an hour. But, you know, if we're going to fight for 15, not why not fight for 150 bucks an hour? I mean, there's and so the, the thing is, like, if you were to take a look at like actual real money from, you know, pre 1964 quarters, for instance, or dimes or nickels or what, what have you, that money actually had about 90% silver in it. So, you know, if you were to have, the minimum wage in I think 1964 was $1.25. So that's five, that can be expressed as five quarters. So you got, if you got paid in five quarters, those five quarters, you know, would be, you know, probably worth somewhere around like 25, 30 bucks right now. So it's not the minimum wage that is really the issue. That's what people want to target. But it's the fact that our money has been taken over by, you know, corrupt central bankers, or I guess you know, sort of a, you know, repeat term there, corrupt central bankers, they're all corrupt. And so, until we can claim our money back because it's not really even money it's a like currency so this so we have a corrupt currency that basically we have to borrow from people that never had the money to begin with that can in essence own the entire world and until people understand understand that system i mean i think every other fight is um not even really worth i mean yeah there's other fights that are worth fighting but everything comes back to money and, and like even the vaccine issue well the vaccine issues then it comes back to money because they have to get money to fund all this stuff and the wars come back to money to fund all this stuff and obviously it's also about control and so you know for me like even like when donald trump was getting in there like my very first podcast I ever did was a week after he was elected and i said like if there's a thousand things i want him to do and and he does 999 but he doesn't do anything in terms of exposing the fraud that's the federal reserve so i wasn't even i wasn't even getting any hopes up that he's going to end the federal reserve or audit the federal reserve which you know i don't trust any audit they would do anyways I mean, they're the ones doing it um 
and so if he didn't use the bully pulpit to then expose them, I basically thought that everything you do was a gigantic waste. And so, you know, four years later, we've got more debt than we've ever had before, you know, larger deficits than we've ever had before, less freedom than we've ever had before. And so, uh, you know, so I do think, you know, that his whole four years is basically a giant waste. Now, I think a lot of his Twitter stuff is funny and, you know, I, I, I liked him shit talking a lot of the politicians and stuff, but, you know, in real substance and change, you know, you see that, you know, you elect another or select another puppet in Biden and, you know, and he can basically undid everything Trump did, you know, pretty much overnight. So, you know, there was no substantive changes. And I was also upset that Donald Trump, when he was running for office, was calling out Janet Yellen, was calling out, was basically calling her out saying, you know, how, you know, it's reckless to, you know, be spending all this money and printing all this money. It's reckless not to have the interest rates getting higher. And we need higher rates to calm down, you know, what could be in future inflation Then he gets in there and he's criticizing Jerome Powell for basically not doing the same thing that Jenny Yellen was doing that he was then criticizing her about. So, you know, it's everyone wants to take the hit the easy button and all this stuff. And so because, you know, we didn't do a good enough job getting the word out there and we've been censored and, you know, stopped and shadow banned and all that other stuff that, uh, you know, there's going to have to be some pain coming through. But hopefully the pain doesn't involve. A CBDC, but unfortunately, it looks like we are on that path. And I would guess that we're probably like three years away from that. And that's wow. probably a pretty aggressive guess, but uh, if not, if not even sooner. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. And as they say, like each one of it doesn't matter who's in charge, these agendas keep moving forward, you know. And when you take a step back and you just look at the trajectory of each one of these things, we're kind of on this one upward trajectory. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we actually got into a little bit yesterday and uh, is the idea of like the covert tax, like all these like the yeah, sir, we, we pay maybe a certain amount of like, you know, income tax or property tax or whatever. But there's all these other hidden taxes, the main one being like in the form of inflation. So like they're just grifting us right and left. Like what 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 are you seeing like in the financial world now in terms of that? Like to me, to me and, and even more specifically. For me, it just seems like all of this is so deliberate. There's somebody like literally like pulling a lever, making this happen. You know, this is not natural. This isn't like all of this, like gas prices going up and like everything just going up skyrocketing. Like this is not a natural phenomenon. This is not like a free market thing. This is somebody actually manipulating the market in order to put the pressure on us. Like, what are you seeing on the financial in the financial world? Well, I think the first thing people need to understand is that the inflation numbers that we get are rigged. And actually, I wrote a little book called How It's Rigged uh, on, on these numbers. And so, I mean, there's you know so many different ways that they rig these numbers. But I mean, the quick version of this is that, I mean, there is a website that does track this called shadowstats.com. And uh, this guy, John Williams, runs that. And so they, what they did is over the years, they've actually have changed the uh, different definitions of inflation. And they've also changed how they calculate inflation. And so... You know, let's say you used to buy, you know, hot, you know, steak and now you're buying hot dogs. Well, then they'll put in the price of hot dogs versus the price of steak. Or let's say, you know, you buy a phone and, uh, you know, let's say that this phone, you know, it's probably like $1,300. But let's say the last iteration of it, let's say it cost half as much. So instead of saying, okay, the phone prices have doubled, what they'll say is, okay, well, since this phone has like 100 times zoom and it has, you know, all you know, whatever terabyte of memory or, you know, different RAM that's in here, actually that now... Uh, the phone actually got cheaper because even though it costs twice as much, the features are like five times as great. And so they call that, I think that's called a hedonic adjustment that they use for mm -hmm. that. Or you, know, you got shrinkflation where um, they, they, they basically, long story short, is they're just constantly jacking with these numbers. And if you take a look at like what, it's funny because the website, the shadow says website, I'm trying to get to work right now. Just one second. It's like the toilet paper squares get smaller and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And so, so with shadow stats, I mean, basically what's going on is that they, there was a different way that they used to calculate these numbers in, in the 1980s. And then that wasn't good enough. And they changed it again in the, in the 1990s. And then, uh, and then, you know, then what we have is changed again as well. So if you take a look at actually like where we'd be at from a 1980 inflation perspective uh, in terms of how they actually calculate it, so not like inferencing anything, it'd be about 17%. I'm just like eyeballing this graph over here. And then if we do it based on like, you know, 1990s, we're probably closer to like 12%. And so, you know, the, at, you know, a, a 16, 17% number would be the worst inflation we've ever had, uh, you know, in this modern, modern era. And so where that really comes into, uh, into, into play for people is let's say, you know, you know, let's say a retiree that's, you know, getting $40,000 a year fixed income off, you know, social security and maybe a small pension and maybe some pulling from some investments. 
Well, if inflation is 10%, that means that every 7.2 years, everything that they buy doubles in price or your purchasing power gets cut in half. And so, um, so I mean, if you've got, you know, 20 years of that, or let's say you got 15 years of that, then basically everything you're going to buy is going to cost four times as much. And so, you know, now your $40,000 purchasing power 15 years from now, uh, you know, at 10% sustained inflation for 15 years would be the equivalent of having like $10,000, which is, you know, obviously not a lot and 40,000, not a lot to begin with. And then the other thing is a lot of people think like, oh, you know, millionaires. Well, if you were, you know, did a good job saving and now you've got a million dollars okay, and, you know, they say you shouldn't take out more than 4%. So 4% of a million bucks is $40,000. Well, most people are not going to have a million which means most people are not going to have $40,000 a year to live off of. And then if inflation, not like if, I mean, we're basically at that point now, but if they don't get it under control, uh, and the only way to get it under control is to have the Fed funds rate get up higher than what the inflation rate is and then basically crash everything. So there really is no easy button and no way they can like basically get this under control. But if they don't get this under control, uh, you're you're just looking at a situation where the average person is going to be like priced out of existence because everything they want to buy is going to cost more and more and more. And it's really sad that, you know, people like myself have been in John Snyson and others and Josh have been, you know, trying to warn against this stuff for a very long time. And we're only and, and the Federal Reserve is like, oh, man, we can't believe we've got all this inflation. And when literally they've been trying to get inflation going um, and the reason they want inflation is because. You know, if you've got a thirty trillion dollar debt, that's not really thirty trillion. It's actually way more than that because the, uh, you know, Social Security payments that's not counted as part of the debt. Medicare, which is actually a much bigger unfunded obligation than Social Security, that's not counted either. Like a lot of these wars that are like they're not priced into any of this debt, and and so I mean the real debt number is probably closer to like you know two hundred trillion, not not thirty trillion, if you count the actual obligations. And there's you know, professors, I think out of Boston, who've come up with that number. And that was before the pandemic. So it's probably even higher than that now. And there's no way to pay this off. And so if you can inflate the debt, then what you're when what they're doing is then makes the government, it makes it relatively easier for them to pay back. Mm. But, there's, but it's but it's also not relatively easier for them to pay back, because then it means that the interest rates that they're on the debt is also it, the interest that they're paying is also going through the roof. And so there's really no way out of this. I think, you know, the end game was to always get to the point where the federal reserve comes in and basically buys up everything you know so you'll be you know you'll own nothing and you'll be happy i mean that's basically you know sort of their mantra and uh you know of course that's you know another agenda that like blackrock is behind as well and the world economic forum and and blackrock not a lot of people know but in 2019 they had a uh a summit out of jackson hole like every every august i think the federal reserve has like a big meeting out in jackson hole wyoming and they gave a whole like rundown of like what to do during the next like extraordinary crisis and like a playbook. And then wouldn't you know that that you know they, they got to execute some of that playbook in March of 2020, a few months later, that involved they had their own junk bond fund and they got to offload their junk bond fund to the Federal Reserve at 100 cents on the dollar. And so basically they had a bunch of bullshit nobody wanted. And then they got paid 100 cents on the dollar for their bullshit. And then they were the broker in between. So they even got a commission for like making it happen too. And it was some other companies and corporations and corporate debt that that happened to as well. Um, and so we basically have this like fascistic type system where the ultra elite parasite class, they never really have to deal with the ramifications of what they're doing. And they just sort of pass on all the debt and all the baggage and and passing on the bag to, uh, you know, the American public and the American people while then, you know, galvanizing around, you know, about how smart they are and how, you know, we need to pay more taxes and all this other stuff. And, and really, if the Fed wanted to, if it was about inflation, they would just get rid of taxes and just print the money anyways. So I mean, if, they, if the Federal Reserve can just print money, why is there any need for us to pay taxes? Well, that's because it's not about paying the taxes. It's about controlling people. And it's about, you know, taking, uh, you know, money from, you know, basically, you know, poor people and, and giving it to the richest people in the world. And like one of the biggest bailout recipients was Warren Buffett of all people in the 2008 bailout. If you take a look at all of his underlying companies and who got what. And so, you know, this is, and you know, the government, I know Sam Tripoli's talked about this a lot, like, you know, giving out different awards to like Jeff Bezos and stuff. And he can use that money to then go in and buy up, you know, different properties and, and things like that. Um, so it's a very corrupt system that we're in right now. And, just a lot of people right now don't have their eye on the ball when it comes to a CBDC or don't even know what a CBDC <laughs> even is. And 
to me, it's I think it's one of the biggest issues that's out there. I mean, obviously that and the vaccine issue, which, you know, thanks for supporting, you know, learn the risk with your shirt on over there. Okay. Go to learn the risk.org. But, you know, it's really those two issues where they're trying to, you know, control us or kill us with the jab. And they're also, you know, devaluing the money while, you know, it's going to be like really hard for these like younger kids and people just, you know, coming up now to afford a lot of things uh, just because the cost of living is going through the roof. And so, you know, what this type of like recession we're going into could be more or less like a cost of living crisis and not necessarily like your typical recession where, you know, you could have the cost, you could have just the financial assets potentially going through the roof once the Fed decides to, you know, start printing money again. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, a lot of the middle class are going to become lower middle class. A lot of the lower middle class are going to become, you know, sort of like this underclass and the, and the government wants the underclass because that's how they can give away a bunch of freebies. And if you want to theorize on how I think it's going to be done in terms of how they're going to implement the CBDC, well, the the guy that created the Federal Reserve System was James Warburg. Mm -hmm. And he said we shall have one world government. It's only a matter of it's through consent or conquest. He was uh, Daddy Warbucks in the play Annie. And basically, I think they want to get people to beg for, you know, quote unquote help. And the best way to get people to beg for help is to, you know, you know, you create the problem, you know, the classic Hegelian dialectic problem, reaction solution. So they have the solutions for the podcast listeners. That's in air quotes. So the solution is a CBDC. And eventually, I think they're going to lose control, completely lose control of inflation, which will then basically cause a lot of these bonds, which are debt to become worthless. And so if you're holding on to like a 20 year duration bond and rates go up 1%, your underlying value goes down by 20. Uh, if you have a 10 year duration bond, rates go up 1%, your underlying value goes down by 10. Uh, rates go up 2%, your underlying value in a 10 year duration bond goes down by a little over 20. So I think a lot of people are going to get like completely shellacked by this. And then in order to in order to help to say, oh, well, you can trade in your government bond and we'll give you a CBDC. And then everybody will, oh, yeah, the government's here to save me. Or the next like $1,200 CARES Act type payment will come through. Mm -hmm. And actually, the first one that uh, the first text of the Maxine Waters bill for the CARES Act in 2020, that's where everyone got like 1200 bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, the original text for that was to actually create a Fed dollar. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Let's be paid out in a Fed coin. And then, you know, taking a look at, you know, these guys wasted no time at all. So, I mean, you're talking like on March 23rd, 2020, they're already rolling out something called the Banking for All Act, which is basically going to introduce, you know, pass through digital dollar wallets that, you know, uh, basically banks are then allowed to hold. And so they're setting up the framework for this. But, you know, of course, they're, you know, painting it under the, you know, the guise of inclusiveness and mm -hmm. how they care mm -hmm. about everybody. And, and so, I mean, there was, you know, another like, inclusive banking during a pandemic, uh, you know, hearing that they had June 11th, 2020, we had just, what was it like in January, the federal reserve had a 40 page white paper on basically what their outline for a central bank digital currency would be. And so this is something where, you know, it's coming down the pipeline really quick. Uh, there is another Atlantic council has a tracker on their website right now, where basically it shows that, you know, just a huge amount. A huge amount of the world is undergoing this and so there's 91 different currency blocks that they're tracking so like the eu would be one currency block so even though i don't know there's like 20 something countries but it's one currency block and so so the eu they're part of this i mean basically everyone i mean quicker to name the couple countries that aren't a part of this mm -hmm. right now just maybe some just african countries that maybe don't have have power or something so they can't do this but you know we're talking you know about 90 percent of the world's uh you know gdp is going to be you know, is actively at some stage of the game of trying to roll out these central bank digital currencies. Well, don't uh, worry, those countries are going to have uh, Starlink here soon, so they'll be able to get plugged in. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, they'll have yeah they'll have the they'll have the man's internet, so they'll be able to uh, get on there as well. And then, like in China, they've been doing this too, where they were and, and in order to buy off people, they were literally giving them uh, like thirty dollar vouchers and the ability to maybe win free laundry for a year. So like people. That. Yeah, so people were selling themselves out for free laundry. Uh, you've got like something called the Digital Dollar Project and Digital Dollar mm -hmm. Foundation that's run through the company Accenture that they're trying to basically help you know trot this out as well. And so it, this is really, it's not really behind the scenes at all. You know, like for anyone that wants a search engine, you know, CBDC followed by any central bank in the world, and you know this information is all out there. But you know, it's not. I mean, I don't watch the news, but I imagine it's probably not in the news because you know I talk to smart people and even tech guys and even young tech guys and some of them have never heard about this too like people that 
you know, could be worth like tens of millions of dollars who they don't even know mm -hmm. uh, that this is coming down the pipeline. And so, you know, they've, they've set up the whole infrastructure, but, you know, eventually that this is going to be like the mark of the beast where, you know, it's not going to start off day one like that, but eventually it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, take a look at how like GoFundMe operates or take a look at how a lot of our friends have been kicked off, you know, different sites have been treated. And that's pretty much the roadmap for what they want to do is have a point where they can track, trace, surveil everything we do. You've got Augustine Karstens, who's the like 600 pound uh, Bank of International Settlements head. And he's coming out there and saying like, how terrible it is that they can't track $100 bills or $1,000 pesos and how in the future, don't worry that they're going to have this framework to be able to uh, be able to stop this. And I did mention earlier too, the Atlantic Council. Well, the guy that was heading up, uh, so a lot of your listeners probably probably were aware of like the world government summit that was going on mm -hmm. like a month ago and and the one you know you had, klaus schwab gave one address and right after him his address was are we ready for the new world order and the guy that was heading that was the head of the atlantic council and it's the atlantic council who are the ones who are like spearheading a lot of the cbdc stuff that's going on and so i mean it's it's just like there's just an overwhelming amount of like evidence that this is there and and it's just you know it's either something where you haven't looked into it and so you're just like, ignorant of the fact that this exists or you know you'd have to be an idiot to look at this evidence and say that they're not definitely at the point of trying to launch one of these and unfortunately it's going to be sooner than later i mean the only way that i'm wrong in this is if i do a good enough job we do a good enough job collectively mm -hmm. of stopping this yeah. and you know it, it's just i feel like it's not it's an issue where not enough people are really kind of screaming from the mountaintops so like luckily we had a lot of people screaming about vaccines and uh, and it still wasn't even enough to stop, you know, all that rollout. But, you know, maybe 50% of people didn't get it, at least in America. So, uh, but when they try to roll this out, you know, it's going to be very hard to, you know, put, you know, put that genie back in the bottle and, and try to stop, you know, what's going on. And so really that's, uh, you know, I'm trying to take like a boring subject like CBDCs and Federal Reserve and, mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, make at least somewhat interesting to let people know, like, hey, listen, this is something that is going to affect you, it's going to affect your kids. And and so, you know, I am a fan of precious metals. I'm a fan of Bitcoin, and and I think that if this ends up being not investment advice, but you know, if this ends up coming to fruition, I think those are going to go through the roof because then a lot of the argument against Bitcoin is, well, well, you know, I don't want digital money, but if your only options are digital money that the government has or digital money that's you know free market, I think at that point the free market one's going to seem a lot more attractive. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely coming down the pipeline, and they're using anything they can with the pandemic to help further their agenda for the CBDC. And, and just like this thing, like how quickly it was, we saw the signs like, Oh, we can't have physical cash. Cause there might be coronavirus oh, yeah. on those coins and constantly seeing stuff like that. Yeah. That was hilarious, man. I remember that. And that's, you know, one of the very early episodes of Truthzilla that we did was on central bank digital currency. We're like, okay, we know this is coming. We know that we can see the writing on the wall. Like this is what's what, what the agenda is. And so, yeah, man, like I think, uh, just to really drive home the importance of this for people like you, you characterize it as it being dull and boring, but I don't think so, man. I think this is fascinating because like the implications of what central bank digital currency is like, I'm sure, I, I mean, I kind of want to assume that most of our listeners know about what we're talking about, but can you just paint a picture for us? What a world would be like if this were to be fully ruled out and fully implemented, what we'd be looking at. I mean, if this is fully rolled out, I mean, at that point, they'll be able to say, okay, I sent money over to Scott and Scott sent money over to here and that, that it will then be, you know, tied in with some sort of social credits, excuse me, some sort of universal based basic income. And so, you know, a lot of people are then going to self-censor because like, oh, I don't want to have my, you know, social credit go down. And so I want to get my, you know, free goodies, you know, whether it's like a thousand bucks a month or 2000 bucks a month, you know, whatever, whatever ends up being because they're going to want to, you know, be on that gravy train. And so eventually it's going to be, oh, I can't even, you know, take a phone call for Tim or Scott because, you know, and that's, and people might roll their eyes. I mean, that's going on right now in China. So in China, if you have a low social credit score and you talk with people that have low social credit, your social credit then goes down and you see guys like on their version of like Tinder and stuff going on and putting out like, Hey baby, I got a, I don't know what their social credit is based off of, but I got an 800 social credit score and, you know, and using that as like a selling point to try to find, you know, another, uh, you know, to find, you know, a lover or something. So it's, they're going to be able to track, trace, surveil everything you're doing in real time, which means they can shut you down in real time. They can literally cut off your ability to spend money in real time. Then they're going to also then tie that into carbon credits as well. And so they'll say, oh, look at this, this purchase. And I didn't even talk about this in my presentation. There's just mm. you know, so much 
uh, that you could put in here. But I mean, they've actively been, I think it was MasterCard that, you know, a few months ago or at the beginning of the year was having test pilots for, uh, you know, basically issuing like carbon reports based upon your spending. And so we'll say, oh, well, you did this or that and spent this, you know, your carbon allotments up and oh, you're booking another flight. So or, oh, we see you've been using a lot of gasoline. So now you're going to hit with some sort of like, you know, luxury, you know, carbon tax. And then what creates more carbon than anything would be, you know, having children. So I think they're not. So if you take a so another, you know, sort of theorizing that I'm doing is that, you know, obviously they're, you know, hitting us with weapons in the air. And they're hitting us with weapons in the water. And they're hitting us with weapons in the vaccines. And they're, you know, every, you know, seven ways to Sunday doing this with hitting us with weapons, you know, whether, you know, whether it's our cell phones and, and a whole bunch of things that are decreasing sperm count. So whether or not, whether or not anything I just said is true or not, uh, the fact of the matter is like the male sperm count in America is down like about 50% over the past several years. So whether it's that stuff or not, uh, which I think it is, you know, it's going to get to the point or eventually where the only way you're going to be able to have kids is going to be some sort of like test tube baby type mm-hmm. thing or some sort of in vitro fertilization. And they'll say, oh, well, well, A, that's going to limit the amount of people that can have kids that, that can afford that. And then B, if you can afford it, well, then you're going to have to afford some massive carbon tax or maybe there's some bond that's then put onto your kid's life, to which is, you know, root word for bondage to then having to pay that off as like some sort of carbon indulgence and then it's all going to be tied into one system and then once you start getting you know ai into the mix and you know i guess that's you know for the people that you know end up making it through the reset because you know eventually it's going to come down to a food thing and a food crisis thing which now doesn't seem like it's too crazy of a thing to talk about but you know a lot of us were talking about this a few years ago too and so they really want to and then the food we can get is basically all a bunch of gmo type crap but, you know, there's enough people out there who still don't want to, uh, you know, see the truth of what's going on. And and actually, uh, I don't know if I got time for like a quick aside, but we did but flying back from um, flying back from Float Fest. This one lady was, it was long story short, basically, she was this lady was on the phone and I overheard her saying that how humid Charleston was and how humid Austin was. And she's glad she's in Phoenix. And, and I you know mentioned, hey, I used to live in South Carolina and live in Phoenix now. And yeah, Austin felt way hotter. And then some guy walking by. It's like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be nearly as hot in Phoenix if it wasn't for you people all moving there? And I'm like, well, I'm actually from like the city that invented air conditioning and my grandfather worked for carriers whole life. So if it wasn't for like my people, I guess, you know, you <laughs> wouldn't be out there in the first place. And then and he's like, oh, we didn't need air conditioning. We've got swamp coolers. And so I'm like and then he starts talking about like how it's like so much hotter and how it doesn't rain anymore in, in the desert. Uh, because we used to have monsoons and it would rain. I'm like, well, it's probably come some of the shit they're spraying in the skies. And yeah. he starts like rolling his eyes at me. I'm like, listen, I see you over there rolling your eyes over there. Like you think you're better than me, but you know, you're thinking that this is all I'm just some kook, you know, over here talking about geoengineering and chemtrails. And he's like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. None of that even exists. And then by now, I've got like about ten people in the airport and yeah. two there. And then by the end of it, we probably had about 40 people around us at the airport. I'm like literally arguing with the guy. And I'm like pulling up Forbes articles with like Bill yeah. Gates. And I'm like telling him, like, listen, like the guy running Bill Gates program is David Keith. You can find articles probably going back 10 years talking about it. Like you can find, uh, you know, the guy that has the patents on all this stuff, Dr. Ben Livingston. You know, you can watch, you know, what in the world is spraying, why in the world is spraying, Franken skies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of information. I'm like, I can tell you the senator that's fighting out on behalf of Arizona with Senator Ken- senator karen johnson i'm like and this guy's like oh that's all just conspiracy theory i'm like i can show you the cia director yeah literally talking about it john brennan and so there's certain people like that where you can give them all but what was awesome is like everyone in the airport was backing me up which is like Mm -hmm. in austin which is like kind of crazy and uh and not a single person came to this guy's defense and by the end of it like i'm like walking to like the gate as i'm like still like arguing with the guy and like tell but but it wasn't really changing his mind it was like changing like the other people around us mind and just hitting them with so much truth and so that's the thing like you can tell the guy like oh here's like i'm not just saying oh bill gates is spraying it. i'm saying bill gates is spraying it this is the guy running it this is where you can find articles on it like this is the place where he's doing it test piling it out in new mexico but but some people they just want to like have that you know uh i don't know like learn helplessness or they want to have that uh they just want to be stuck into their zone of of thinking and so you know certain types of people you can give them all the information you want in the world and they're still going to be stuck in that mindset and it's just a, very funny to be able to get into it. That's a, such a weird thing to be able to get into some, an argument with, in the airport with. So it's like, you know, this is why I don't fly. Like it's one of the first flights in like the past couple of years. And, and now I immediately get into an argument with some guy over chemtrails. I don't know. I feel it sounds like a net positive. It sounds like you really uh, had an impact on the people around you, which is awesome. So that's fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, man. And then just that, like, just that interaction is so emblematic of like what we're dealing with in general. It's like, here you are presenting all this information, like here's some facts, here's this, here's that, like everything, you know what I mean? And then what all they have is no, 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 that can't be, can't be. It's like, oh, the best, the best was they wouldn't do that because that's illegal. And then, and actually some, several people then just started laughing around me, like some, some, there's some like military guys there. They were, they all started laughing. Like, yeah, the government doesn't give a rat's ass about whether something is illegal or not. I'm like, and it's actually not illegal because there's like a hundred dollar permit that they do in order to do this stuff. And it's not like, uh, you know, so, and like at one point, who cares if it's legal or not? Like at one point it wasn't, you know, it wasn't legal for black people to be humans in America. So, I mean, I don't care what is legal or what's not illegal. And actually what they're doing with the spraying actually for a lot of it isn't illegal because they're getting like government permits and stuff to do this stuff. But uh, yeah, that was, I thought that was like the cutest one is when I've got a guy telling me, oh, the government wouldn't do that because that's illegal. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, I've, I've always thought that's kind of the fundamental difference between, you know, us and them is just basically the idea of they still think that like these health officials and government officials and non-governmental organizations still have their best interest at heart and it ain't like that at all <laughs> yeah that's just that's just laughable but another thing that we that i mean i'm sure a lot of your viewers are probably well aware of klaus schwab and the great yeah. reset and and so part of his book like page 72 through 75 is actually called the fate of the u.s dollar mm. and so i mean they talk about how it's, it's an exorbitant privilege in order to have you know the dollar be the world reserve currency and that you know you know, for quite some time, some analysts and policymakers have been considering a possible and progressive end to the dominance of the dollar. I can pull that up here if you want. You want me to pull these? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can pull okay. this one up if we okay, want. Let's do this. But don't worry, it's going to be a progressive end to the dollar. And they now think the pandemic might be the catalyst that proves them right. And so we're talking, this book came out like June 2020, May 2020. Mm -hmm. And so they're already talking about how the pandemic is a perfect catalyst to prove them right. Uh, they're also saying, you know, that basically that the that one of the things that could end this too is that uh, weaponizing the US dollar for geopolitical purposes i mean just i mean just in the past like 2 months all the weaponization of the US dollar and, and what what's been going on in russia and going on all around the world i mean that's basically going into overdrive right now uh you know as far as a global virtual currency there is none in sight yet again this is from 2 years ago but there are many attempts to launch a national digital currencies that may even eventually dethrone the US dollar the most significant one took place in China at the end of April 2020 with a test of a national digital currency in four large cities. The country is years ahead of the rest of the world in developing a digital currency. Mm. And, you know, continuing on, you've got, you know, former uh, Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson. The United States must maintain an economy that inspires global credibility and confidence. Failure to do so over time will put U.S. dollars position in peril. And so, you know, everything that they're doing right now is basically incentivizing other countries to get off the dollar standard and actually and i've been sort of uh one of the more contrarian things that i've come up with is that i actually thought that the dollar collapse would actually come from the dollar getting stronger and so a lot of people think that you know during the opening salvo of all this stuff that you're going to see an immediate dollar collapse and what we've seen actually the past you know several months and actually past couple of years the dollar relative to these other dog shit currencies actually is going up and so but that strength could also go to its weakness. So if you're some African country that's borrowing in dollars and all of a sudden your currency goes down 50% to the dollar, then now your loan gets twice as big. Odds of you repaying that is going to go down um, you know, just dramatically. And so I've been under the assumption that the dollar would actually get stronger and then that strong strength would then lead to weakness, which basically got me booed at like Anna Capoco trying to give that response. And that's exactly what happened is that uh, you know, the dollar has gotten you know stronger, but it's only relative to you know, these other currencies that have been doing other insane things like the Japanese yen and Chinese yuan. And then if we pull back up the uh, presentation, this is, yeah. this is actually a, I own the magazine on the left. It's uh, so for those of you listening, it says GovCoins. It's the Economist magazine. The Economist magazine is owned by the Rothschild family and 33 years and 33 weeks before this cover, they had uh, get ready for a world currency. Uh, and then it basically showed what looks like, and this is from 1988. So, I mean, it looks like what could be like a Bitcoin dollar in the middle of a phoenix. And the phoenix is rising out of the ashes of uh, fiat currency. And this is from 1988. It says, get ready for a world currency. And then, you know, 33 years, 33 weeks later, they come out with the GovCoins, the digital currencies that will transform finance. And so, I mean, they are doing like an amazing job just like trolling everybody with all this stuff. I just have to say that, I mean, I really have to give them a lot of credit 
and then you know from the world speaking of trolling from the world government summit we've had pippa melgram who's like one of the you know supposed top economists and her quote from a month ago was we are on the brink of dramatic change we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and replace it with a new one digital dollar cbdc which will give us greater clarity over every single transaction and by clarity i mean it's basically she's probably looking at the source for okay what's a better word for uh control and so they want to have control over everything we've already talked about how you know so she, so she was actually on the panel for are we ready for a new world order that uh the opening address for that was you know uh from klaus schwab and uh in and right now we're pulling up the atlantic council's tracker so on their own website that you guys can go to it you know so if you just search engine cbdc atlantic atlantic council you'll then you know find this and basically shows that pretty much every currency block in the world is at some stage or another of trying to uh, trot one of these out and then we've got you know wall street journal articles talking about how uh you know china's digital currency future uh you know here's the cover page of the federal reserve's uh, 40 page paper that they came out with in january of this past year and then we're showing executive orders from march where uh biden is basically trying to green light getting one of these out and, and then we see different uh you know testimony how janet yellen can help deliver the, the digital dollar and then she gave testimony uh last january january of 2021 and basically says that uh let's see here that the u.s must be a leader in digital assets and financial technology this basically you know we need to record we need to uh you know get going on making one of these you know sooner than later <laughs> Uh, this huge fellow over here, um, you know, for a while, John and I just thought that he was eating all the money. And so maybe that's where all the inflation went, but you've got, you literally have this guy at the food, the global food crisis summit. I mean, I he's probably, I don't know, we should, I would, yeah, we should have some sort of like contest, to like guess how much this guy actually weighs. I mean, it's whether it's like 600 pounds, 500, I don't know, uh, but you know, one of his quotes is we don't know who's using a hundred dollar bill today. We don't know who's using a thousand peso bill. The key difference with CBDC is the central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability. So, so the, the key sentence that will determine the use of that expression. So the expression meaning paying paying for things. So they want to have the ability to uh, you know, cut you off. And then so in this all sort of ties into Bill Gates, you know, patent you know, 06, 06, 06, where mm -hmm. you're gonna have like an implantable uh, nanotech. Body activity uh, data, right? Monitoring. Yeah, we're gonna be walking data. around, and they'll be paying in some sort of crypto, and then, uh, you know, then we've got you know some crazy stuff going on with it, like Klaus Schwab's talking about you know anytime you go from one border to another, having a detailed brain scans, mm. and how we're gonna have implantable microchips and nanotech inside of us, and then obviously like his top minion at, at World Economic Forum is that Yuval Harari that I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of you guys are aware of, but in his actual presentation. Uh, so, I mean, it might be hard to see, but it literally says digital dictatorship risk ahead. This is his PowerPoint slide, wow. not mine. And it says automation will create a useless class. And then, you know, then at the top of the PowerPoint says alongside inequality, the other major danger we face is the rise of digital dictatorships that will monitor everything. They'll monitor everyone all the time. And, and maybe that's why Bill Gates came out the other day. was trying to be like real cutesy and was saying something like, oh, people are trying to say that. That we that I'm trying to get everybody's data, and what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just keep track of everybody? And um, I mean, and that statement was after this. I'd already made this one, so I mean, you, you can't even like keep up with this stuff. And this is again from his PowerPoint slide, not mine. Biological knowledge multiplied by computing power multiplied by data equals the ability to hack humans. That sounds real good. And by the way, this guy's also one of Obama's favorite authors. Mm -hmm. There's about a three minute video you guys can find on. Uh, uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody goes to YouTube, but you can find the video on uh, President Obama on the author of Sapiens, which is Yuval Harari. And basically, you know, I really think that the public's understanding of blockchain will determine if society is either set free or is captured in a technocratic digital dictatorship. And really what I mean by that is, you know, just like a gun, you, you can use a gun mm -hmm. to protect yourself, protect your family, uh, or you can use it to go offensively, you know, kill somebody or murder somebody or do a lot of harm or do bad things with people and so it's sort of like blockchain is very similar that it can be used for good or it can be used for bad and if people don't understand the good applications of it and they're only you know aware of like it's like the bad things that, that are going on and they try to just throw the baby out with the bathwater of, of all crypto that we're going to go down in the future where essentially all of your money is going to be tracked, traced, and surveilled. And then we're all going to be on this, you know, digital gulag where they can, you know, basically impose their digital dictatorship, which is something I've been calling it. And then 
then when I saw like last month, I'm like, wait, Yuval Harari has a slide that says digital dictatorship risk ahead. And so uh, it's just, yeah, it's just insane. And so with blockchain, I mean, there's cryptos where you can basically see, uh, you know, exactly everything that's going on, like Bitcoin, but then there's other ones that are more privacy oriented that you can't see when money is sent from one place to another. And it's not like people are trying to do bad things, it's not like they're trying to do illegal things, but, you know, you don't want to just have, uh, you know, everyone seeing exactly what's going on. Like, it's good to have some privacy. I mean, we know that the government wants to be private, like the government's not telling us everything they're doing, all the black ops, black budgets, they're spending money on it. And maybe it's, maybe for another show, we can talk, get into like the, the Bilderbergs being, you know, having some sort of involvement of trying to mess up Bitcoin to create their own problem reaction solution. So, I mean, yeah. I am aware because, you know, because I do see it in the comments like, oh, this is a tool of the elite and the globalists. And, and to some extent they are right. But, you know, there's ways to have Bitcoin and be, uh, you know, more private about it and be, you know, more secure and holding it onto yourself. And there's other ways where you can have it through like PayPal or something where you don't, you know, control it at all. And so, uh, you know, there's definitely are risk to be aware of when it comes to, crypto but at the same point i think to just you know be entirely out of it i think is also insane because you know in the future like that's especially with younger kids like they're going to be gravitating towards that i mean i have a five and six year old and the other day i asked the six year old who's about to turn seven like what, what do you want for your birthday and she's like i want roblox blocks bucks like basically a virtual basically wants like roblox virtual currency is you know what a six year old is asking for right now so wow. uh and that's with no influence at all. So, I mean, the younger generation is going to have, you know, a huge clamoring for this, but it doesn't mean I'm not, I'm also, you know, a fan of precious metals because eventually, you know, they're, they're also trying to tie in this, you know, some supposed like grid attack too. And so I just don't understand how they're going to pull off a grid attack and try to get one of these. Cause it seems like if you did a grid attack and then try to get everybody on one of these, then they would be, you know, very reticent and hesitant to do that. Uh, so and maybe I don't want to uh, pontificate how they're going to do that because it seems like a lot of the pontifications I do end up coming to fruition. True. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to manifest any of the bad guys doing some more bad stuff. But yeah, I just don't know how they're going to have like a Russian cyber attack and try to convince people to get on one of these. Or the cyber attack is mother F's the entire system. And then they have this, you know, waiting in the wings to come back from. Yeah, exactly. And, no. and then they bring it. This is the only option you have now, people. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, either, either you take yeah. it or like the million bucks you had that's worth nothing now. Uh, it's either continue to be worth nothing or you go and get on like our mark type system. And uh, and obviously that's another reason why they want to kill off a lot of people because, you know, we've got too many people to control. And was it big new Brzezinski who said, uh, you know, before he died, you know, it used to be easier to control a million people than to get, kill a million people. And now it's infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. And so, I mean, he wrote books like the grand chess board and basically how they're trying to, uh, you know, implement a lot of these things. And so, and now his daughter, for those who don't know, is that is the uh, MSNBC host. Uh, and what, Mika? Mika yeah. Good old Mika. Keeping, keeping the legacy going, man. Yeah. Ah. So I, I, the last thing I really want to make sure we touch on, and, and you really highlighted a lot of it there, is just the idea of just solutions. Now, it sounds like for me, like like we need to basically more than ever need to extricate ourselves from the system as much as possible and re remove our reliance on it to whatever extent that we possibly can. You know, privacy coins, you know, obviously is one, you know, your investment in, like you said, precious metals, ammunition, things that are like stores of wealth that aren't going to be impacted with whatever they do digitally. Um, is there any other solutions that you would suggest for us to kind of that we could be doing today to guard ourselves from this as it kind of slowly rolls out? I mean, I'm sure it's not like groundbreaking and others have mentioned this before, but you know, either whether it's starting to grow your own food. I mean, yeah. I've got like a little like tower garden aeroponic thing where I can start where I've, you know, I've probably bought it like 10 years ago thinking it was going to happen then, but you know, my girlfriend's got one and some other people I know have them. And, uh, I'm also been looking at land excuse me to get away from I'm on, I'm on like the outskirts of phoenix but even the outskirts of phoenix means within like 100 miles of you you've got you know probably like three to five million people so i mean it's you know a lot of people and so i i think you know having your own like food independence is going to be yeah. crucial and, and i also don't think you need to like necessarily measure this in years i think a lot of people would die off relatively quickly i mean especially i, mean, I don't want to say it's like a gallows humor type laugh but i mean it's not for my lack of you know trying but you know, having food independence, because if nothing, I mean, 
if nothing else, I mean, the food you're going to, I mean, A, the price of food has been going up a ton, but then if you're trying to eat organically, like I'm trying to eat organically, the price of that stuff, I don't know what the exact number is. I just know it's a lot. Like it's gone up just, just a ton. So if you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying not to drink poison water, you're trying not to, you know, and then just like all the stuff they're spraying down in the sky. So I mean, maybe investing in like greenhouse and like seeds and, um, you know, I did like some more unconventional things. So like when the the day of like the Russian war was breaking out, I bought a bunch of like seven six two Russian ammo because yeah. I'm like, you know, that's probably gonna go up a lot. And then it did went up like a hundred percent in like two and a half weeks. Wow. Uh, and part of it's just because you know we want to you know be able to shoot at some point. And then so not to say like shooting people, but it's like at some point you know it's just fun to go out shooting. And so I'd rather do it now for half as much and buying that stuff now. And it's also like a barter item. Uh, you know, in the event of like a grid down attack, you know, it's gonna be a good barter item i think gold and silver would be a good barter item to have uh you know, but the food is you know probably the ultimate barter item because it doesn't matter like how much because eventually you're gonna you're gonna have to trade your silver to get food or you're gonna have this food to then you know get gold and silver from other people or ammo or what have you and uh you know and just having skills to be an asset to a community because if you you know are trying because you know you can't just survive it all by yourself and so if you try to roll up to some community and you've got no marketable skills and you're like 80 pounds overweight and you've got no idea what's going on. You just want to be there to uh, like eat Cheetos all day or something, which aren't going to be around either. But uh, you know, you're like you're not going to you're not coming to the table with anything. And so you know, do you, are you coming to the table with any skills? Are you coming to the table with like three to six months of food? You know, bare minimum. And um, you know, and it's trying to get and learn some of these things now. Like if you like, just practice having the power go out for two days at your place and see, you know see how fun it would be and see okay what holes do you have in your game so like i bought like an, an off-grid rv and and but it's good that i like, I was practicing some and then last year i had the ac go out when it was 118 out here in phoenix and then i went up north actually with uh, josh sigerson of world turn of media <clears throat> it was uh i would say it was either him or his girlfriend that tried turning my ac down to 60 when it was 118 and then froze the unit but anyway, so, but it was a good it was a good learning lesson because yeah. then when i brought because then when i brought a generator up to 7,000 feet i realized oh well, my generator only has like half as much power now because like for every thousand feet of elevation, you lose 5% efficiency. And for every degree above 70, you lose 1%. So if it's a hundred at 7,000 feet, you're down 50% roughly. So like, it's just something like, you know, you don't really know until you're, unless you're just like a handy guy, man's man that just knows all this stuff. But, but the thing is like, if you, you got to like practice some of the stuff before, you know, the shit hits the fan scenario, because all of a sudden, you know, like in my scenario, like, okay, great. I'm up there and, and now my generator is like slightly too small for what I need. So then I, okay, well then get another one. And, and now speaking yeah. of investments, that generator is now 300% more expensive than it was yeah. about a year and a half ago. So, totally. um, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's being an asset, you know, you know, being able to, you know, the bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs of having, you know, food, water, shelter, how to grow food. And it's not like you just like, oh, we go throw a seed in. Like there's a lot to it, especially if you're trying to get into like aeroponics or hydroponics or, uh, and then also like the water quality. And like what I learned is like, if I were to just put like straight hose water and like, it would basically kill all the plants because like the water here is such crap. It's like mm. 500 parts per million of like, you know, the ass end of the Colorado river wow. coming in and like the plants would basically rather die than drink like the water that's over here is what I've seen. Damn. Uh, and, and so, I mean, you have to like start experimenting with this stuff now because like when it, the shit hits the fan and like all, like you don't have time to be, unless you've got like a ton of food stored, you don't have time to be like, Oh, well fucked up that whole round. And now I got to start over again because uh, you know, when all of it's going down, like there is, you know, ways for practice and stuff now. And I, and I'm not growing anything now. Like I, I probably should be, you know, implementing yeah. like some of this stuff on my own, but I have done it in the past you know, where I've had, you know, like big bounties of, you know, and it's amazing what you can do like in a relatively small space. So you might be, and I've even done it where I, I like right now I don't even have a yard, but I went like a little tiny little patio and uh, you know, I was able just to prove that I could do it last year. And, and so even though I'm in the desert, you know, you could take like, I have like a vertical garden thing where, you know, the, the water like recirculates. And then in the, with that, I mean, I think you can grow like, I don't know, it's like 36 plants or something like up in one very relatively small, small space. So it can be done. Uh, and so if someone's saying, oh, I don't have like five acres of land or an acre of land, like there's things that you can do on like relatively small. And maybe another thing is I would definitely get out of the cities. I uh, would not want to be in some place that's like susceptible to cold weather. So I got out of one. I got out of Syracuse, New York, which is one of the mm -hmm. worst weather cities probably in the country. 
and uh, moved to one of the hottest places in the world. But then that has its own problems. But, you know, luckily with Phoenix, you know, I can travel an hour and a half and be, you know, in like temperatures that are about 30 degrees cooler than the valley. So, you know, so there's even places out here and scouting out different locations here. But, you know, everyone's got their own, you know, considerations, you know, whether they have, they have kids or have exes and things like that to consider for all this but i think ultimately it will come down to a food thing like my good buddy ernest hancock you know he always talks mm-hmm. about coming down to a food thing and so i think eventually we're just going to come down to a food thing and and uh you know there's a reason i mean bill gates is buying up all the farmland so i mean it's not and we know that he's not you know the you know big doing thing for philanthropy mm-hmm. and uh you know and you probably saw that meme i don't have it in front of me but it was something like you know bill gates creates uh you know is one of the largest it was one of the largest uh you know, funders of vaccines and, oh, we've got a pandemic. And, oh, Bill Gates is one of the largest uh, owners of farmland or the largest U.S. owner of farmland. And, oh, there's a food crisis. And, mm-hmm. oh, Bill Gates is one of the largest uh, proponents of green energy. And, you know, there's also an oil crisis. So it's like all the things that he's, you know, invested in. And, and obviously, I don't need to tell your audience that, you know, it's not because he's a good guy. And, you know, he's there's that video that's going around talking about his 20, 20 to 1, 21 yeah, investment 20 returns. Yeah. So, uh so yeah, I mean, I would say do what you can do to survive this. And a lot of it doesn't, I mean, a lot of these issues have been going on for a, like a very long time. And I'm sort of surprised that they've even given us this much time to prepare because I thought some of this stuff was going to happen like six, seven years ago. And so, you know, over that time, like if, even if you're not rich and I certainly wasn't back then. So like, like you can go buy like an extra, one extra can while you're at the store and just keep stocking it up or, oh, you know, make an extra, you know, if you're you know, making a run of batteries or something, go get an extra thing of batteries and just store it away. And so, you know, it could just be a little, and, but you know, obviously now it's going to cost you more to do it now than it did, you know, five years ago. But, uh, you know, you can, you don't have, it doesn't have to be like groundbreaking things that you can just keep adding to your order. Although now we are sort of getting long in the tooth and all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely try to figure out some way to be an asset to your community. If you, and it, it depends where someone's at in the spectrum too. So if someone has a bunch of resources, that's one issue. If someone doesn't have a bunch of resources, there's other things they need to be concerned about. So, you know, if you don't have a bunch of resources, then, you, you know, I don't think you should put all your money into like gold, silver, crypto. You should probably focus more on the food, but you know, everyone's on some sort of end of that spectrum. And then for anyone that does have more resources, um, you know, I am a certified financial planner and the website is thelibertyadvisor.com. And we do offer free consultations there where, and I also did help pioneer like crypto IRAs. And I definitely need to change that picture. I've been like trying to get a new headshot for a while. because yeah. It's such a dorky picture, but um, in essence, what you, what you can do there is like, I do have ways where you can get actual crypto into like an IRA or even better a Roth IRA than the gains. And that would be tax-free if there's gains in there and, and on a day like today where bitcoin's you know been absolutely hammered like i'm looking at like i added more uh to, i transferred more to my uh account today because i was like okay we need to you know get in on this so i'm looking at this yeah, now's the time to buy that that's the thing like now when it's like dipped down like this is the time to get in there right no one ever wants to do it so i first started rolling out the crypto iras right when it was about like three thousand dollars uh so this was like after it already crashed down from 20 and went down to like three and then we had some people you know, getting in on that and now but no one no one no one gave no one gave a shit about it at three thousand dollars but you know certainly when it's at 50 60 you know close to 70 then everybody wants in you know right now we're and we're sitting on around like thirty one thousand ish mm-hmm. and uh you know there's something called the fear and greed index and basically when people mm-hmm. are crapping their pants and super fearful that's the time to buy i don't know exactly where we're right now but i would i would venture to say we're probably in the extreme fear phase right now and so yeah. it's usually been a pretty good time to buy in extreme fear and it's funny because like a year ago we're at like thirty thousand, or maybe a little bit, year and a half ago we're at thirty thousand, like the first time and we're in extreme jubilation and now we're like at thirty thousand. and but you know what i was first started getting around a thousand first found out about it around a dollar uh and so ultimately everybody will get in at the price that they deserve but you know we don't have to put crypto into your portfolio but it is something that we can do and i've got other advanced strategies to try to help mitigate this stuff and then for anyone that made a bunch of money in crypto i help pioneer different types of like charitable giving strategies that are basically using the strategies that like the gates and the bad guys are using but you know but using it for good stuff and uh and it's literally i mean obviously these guys are not like the most charitable guys in the world and it's for anyone in that echelon or even like multimillionaires, it is it they can keep more of their own money by giving away money than by if they didn't give away the money and and when they give it away they usually do it in such a way where let's say they have like microsoft for instance or like bitcoin you got into bitcoin super early you you know you peel some of it off and then you put it into a charitable trust and that charitable trust then pays you out for the rest of your life and then it can then go to your foundation that you run that your family runs when you die so 
it's like your family still gets control of everything but it's done so in a tax efficient manner to basically get out of paying taxes so uh and that's like the extreme extreme cliff note version on that because that's like a level 500 type uh planning concept but anyways the liberty advisor i appreciate being on you guys can find me yeah. at uh most of the same places that they can find you at podcasts as well and i'm you know focusing on a lot of financial stuff new world order conspiracy type stuff and um so what are, yeah. what are all the shows that you do i know you do what probably just tell us about your i've show. trimmed it i've trimmed it down so i'm doing like guest spots with uh josh Sigerson from rural alternative yeah. media and then i've got uh the liberty advisor show which a lot of times of me walking around with my dog uh <laughs> sort of like in in the ode to uh, jeff berwick of the dog vigilante he's doing his jeff and lucy show and so i just i like giving my dog a walk and i think that's uh but yeah and, uh, tim and john show that one uh i've uh basically put that one into like a brief retirement because it mm. just it was too much sure, sure mentally i need to take a break because it's just you know rehashing all the news of 50 articles is just you know mentally very taxing and i feel like you know part of keeping up with this game is you know keeping your own mental health space going and so uh so josh is willing to do all the work when he interviews me and it's just super easy because i sit down on a subject that i'm already an expert on and then it you know the episodes just go up and so he's everywhere too but uh, yeah, the Liberty Advisor show, that's where you guys can then, you know, that link will then give you all the places. But yeah, I mean, that, we just got up on Rockfin the other day, cool. uh, you know, Bitchu, Odyssey, uh, Flow, you know, all the all the usual suspects and then podcasts as well. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to be on. I love all the work that you're doing. Thanks, and uh, and of course, sometimes you know that you want it as well. So sometimes I'm on there too. So yeah. Are you going to hop on there right now? I don't know if I got the invites. Now you're making oh, it all weird. No, sorry. Shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just like a, like always on there, so I just I don't know. I didn't uh, I didn't yeah. I don't know if I got the invite or maybe it's uh, maybe it's I don't know. I, I don't know if it was through email or through Telegram, but something. Uh, All right, well, shit. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it, Ricky. I'll, I'll give Ricky a hard time. All right. Well, yeah. If he wants me on, I'm I'm available. Anyways, but anyways, okay. it's been it's been awesome being on. You know, hope your listeners you know are heeding the warning of CBDC. Obviously, they're yes. they're if they're this far in, they're they're listeners of yours, and they're probably know what's going on and. Uh, yeah, I would I would highly recommend that uh, they warn others about this. And I will be having my float fest presentation up at some point and probably Perfect. put that up first on Rockfin. So if you guys awesome. want to subscribe to me there, I'll put it up there first for free. But uh, I've got a multi-camera angle shoot, so it's going to take a little bit to edit that one. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim, so much for joining me today. We'll have to catch up soon. There's just so much more to unpack, I know. And uh, as this thing continues to go on, I know we got a valuable resource. So thanks a lot, brother. I'll uh, catch you soon. And everybody, I'm going to hop on the Union of the Unwarned. I'll see you over there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Peace.